gold has and silver has just been so resilient. You know, on the back of, of interest rate uh, hikes, the, the, the price has, has held. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics, and we are digging back into the silver, gold, and inflation world on today's show. Obviously, a lot happening out there, and fortunate to be joined by some silver mining experts today, a longtime regular guest on the show, Jorge Romero Ronroy of Reina Silver, and also joining us from Reina Silver as well as Lauren McGaw, who we've had visit us a few times. Lauren, was great to catch up with you in person at last year's Silver Symposium, and quite a lot has happened since then, because as you probably remember well, it was not the the rosiest of times in the silver world. Uh, silver price was dropping just about every day we were there, went below $18, and fortunately a little bit of a significant rally since then. So, Lauren, great to have you on here, and Jorge, great to have you on here as well, and how are you guys doing today? We're doing great. Thank you for having us. It's been a, uh, a minute since we were here and, uh, you know, very happy to see you and, and happy to, to talk about silver. Well, it's great to have you here. I, I like that native silver you have hanging out behind you. And certainly, as we'll touch on a little bit later, you guys have been doing quite well with your projects and moving things forward. Although, Jorge, perhaps a good place to start is that in the midst of, you know, we've seen how the metals prices, depending on what the Fed does, seems to uh, impact that more than the supply and demand at times. Yet, even despite that, here we have the Fed still hiking away, raising rates, uh, not giving a finite answer of when they're stopping just yet. And I find it pretty interesting that we're recording Wednesday morning here, 1926 gold, really at the higher end of the range. We're not at the all-time highs yet, but... Yeah, that's a beautiful price, Chris. <laughs> I mean, this is even before a Fed pivot or, you know, more quantitative easing or anything like that. Are you surprised with this rally that we've seen here and that it's gotten as high as it has, even with the current hiking cycle? No, I, I am very surprised, to be honest, because, you know, uh, just before Christmas, I was sort of bracing... You know, in, the, in that last uh, announcement from the Fed, you know, you know sort of being uh, very consistent on increasing rates, et cetera, et cetera. I was thinking, you know, this doesn't sound good for, for you know, for the short-term movement of, of, the, of the prices. But listen, it, it's just now, how many years has it been, Chris, uh, basically since the beginning of COVID, so almost three years, where, uh, you know, it, it, it's... Uh, if you think about it from one perspective, you know, from uh, I, I spoke this morning to an investor and, and she said something to me that I thought was quite, quite interesting. She told me, look, I, I uh, started investing in silver in early 2022 when they were talking about, you know, transitory uh, inflation. And I was thinking, you know, this is not going to be transitory. This is going to go up. So she got in kind of a, 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 at a you know, to start buying gold and silver at kind of um, even higher prices than we have now. Right. And she was telling me, if somebody had told me we we're gonna go through, you know, uh, historic highs of inflation and gold and silver are gonna go down, I just, just couldn't, couldn't believe it. Um, so from that perspective, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, that, that is one perspective if you've been uh, 
if you sort of join the the market recently, but if, if you think about it for, on a longer term, you know, for, for people like us who've been in silver and gold, you know, gold has and silver has just been so resilient. You know, on the back of of interest rate uh, hikes, the, the the price has has held. If you also look at the 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 you know, I think gold and silver have been very good at, at doing their, what they're supposed to 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 do, which is you know preserve value. So I think from that perspective, it's it's been great, and I think that resilience of gold and silver uh, in the face of of uh, of uh, you know this this uh, rate increase in, is actually very encouraging. So I am certainly you know really encouraged, but by but that but that res resilience, and um, I think the other thing you know maybe since uh, since we've spoken and, and also you know speaking to investors over the last year specifically in a, in a sort of more retail, but even for some institutions, there was starting to be a big sense that Bitcoin and crypto was uh, the new gold and silver. You know, and I think that has been disproven uh, quite convincingly in the last, uh, uh, you know, in the last few months. So I think, I think a lot of, uh, you know, positives continue to pile uh, in for gold and silver. And um, I'm personally, especially for silver, God, you know, you know, you, you, I'm sure you and, and many of your listeners uh, read the last uh, Silver Institute report. You know, the it, it's just so so many so many things in favor of, of the metal. And you know, as as we we're in the exploration business, so we on 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 the supply side, we're deeply aware of how rare silver deposits are and how much more difficult they're. Uh, to find these days and and so it's um you know it's a, it's a, it's an interesting time uh for silver and you know as we start 2023 i think the it's a year that that's uh you know i'm, I'm personally very excited about yeah and in terms of the silver side i suppose there's a couple ways one could look at this as i'll pull the uh, silver chart back up Obviously, uh, as gold is closer to its all-time highs than silver, you could say on one hand, silver might have some catching up to do, which certainly I would subscribe to. And again, you pointed out how last year we did get those reports, record deficit, record demand, um, and with, again, so much of the silver being consumed as opposed to on the gold side. Um, so certainly a good case to be made that there's some catching up to do yet. At the same time, it's interesting when you think about silver at 24 and change that's actually higher than silver has been for the majority of its history yeah. we had the brief spike in 1980 which did not last too long again some unusual factors with the exchanges and margins yeah. and making it sell only yet you know we had about a year back in 2011 goes up to 49 dollars, stays in the 40s yet after it came back down, we really haven't seen outside of these last couple of years silver in the $24 range. So still still quite an elevated level. Although again, you have on the other on the other side, the costs for mining silver are going up, which we'll dig yep. into as well. But interesting, this is a higher silver price than we've seen for the majority of silver's history. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, keep in mind that still, if you look at the silver to gold ratio, it's still still quite high. Right. Um, but look, from from um, from a perspective, maybe from an industry perspective, you know, this is a very positive price for silver because, um, you know, one thing that 
on the mining side of silver has been challenging is is just a consistently low prices for for a, for a very long period of time between 2013 and let's say 2020 pretty much with some exceptions but you know since 2020 the prices has uh, basically given a lot of breathing room to the to the producers where they've actually been able to replenish their cash position the, the reason why you know this prices is, is very positive for the for the mining industry you know when you talk about mining silver is you know it allows you to you know, to, to make decisions of starting a new mine, to, um, you know, to, to make decisions of uh, allocating more capital towards, towards exploration. And, um, and then in, in terms of the, but in, I think in terms of the asset class, I think you can make a case that, that it's still, you know, quite undervalued, right, on, on almost every metric. And uh, if you look at almost every other commodity, like literally almost every other commodity, um, whether it's, you know, gold, nickel, uh, cobalt, um, copper, you know, they've all touched all time highs in the last couple of years. So I think, I think silver is, is the one commodity that still hasn't, uh, you know, being let loose, so to speak. So you have, you have, I think, uh, you know, just again, uh, from my perspective as a CEO of a silver exploration company, I get to speak to, to a variety of investors every day, uh, some retail investors, some institutional investors, obviously some um, um, analysts as well. And, you know, the, the sense that everybody has had over the last two years is that silver is still undervalued and that, you know, the, there is uh, undoubtedly uh, a lot of upside for, for the metal. So, um, you know, I, I think those are um, uh, interesting things to, to look at. And, you know, the, the other thing over the past, um, let's say, 12, well, well, let's say over the past 10 years of watching silver prices, one thing that I've noticed is that, you know, silver, while it, it uh, you know, has been sort of uh, trending low, it very rarely stays uh, much below uh, production costs. Right. You know, uh, it, it just very rarely uh, happens. So it, there, there seems to be some sort of resistance. Um, and, and as you said, silver mining costs have gone up. But, you know, at $24, most everybody's making uh, good margins. Yeah. A lot when, of when you were, uh, you were talking about when you met uh, Lauren in, uh, I guess that was September. And, you know, that, that time where it dipped below 18, that's not great. But, you know, it didn't stay very long. Um, and it, it seems to historically, um, you know, every time it hits below production costs very quickly, it, uh, it, uh, it, seems to be some sort of resistance level as well. Which naturally makes a lot of sense. Uh, sometimes we wonder if in the derivative world these rules hold, although a uh, great chart by Steve St. Angelo we had recently that showed exactly what you were saying does has, has served as a bit of a floor. And Lauren, obviously, uh, you're, you're in the investor relations side of this, so you're talking to the investors all day. And Jorge pointed out that, you know, we have the retail and the institutional, and certainly it seems like the retail market has generally been pretty strong, especially on the lines of this recent rally. I'm curious, what are you hearing on the institutional side? Uh, I think that, you know, from, from what I'm hearing, the retail side, people are seeing things as being on sale. You know, if you're, if you're bullish about where you think silver is going, when silver drops, it's a good time to get into companies and especially companies that you see as having higher upside companies that did well 
with Reina, I mean, one of the other big aspects and the institutions picked up on is we didn't budge in terms of share price from when we did our financing in June all the way through silver really taking a header. We didn't go much below. I think our low was 26 cents, right? So in a lot of ways, when silver really takes a dive like that and you're a company that stays stable, that's like having a win, right? And so I think that's one of the reasons, another reason why we get the traction that we do because we have the thesis of we're looking for the style of deposits that is that are buffered from the volatility in the precious metals space, right? There's a cyclic aspect to it. So that's why we go after the type of deposits we go for. And it means that when things are down and people are looking at, okay, who's on sale? Who's a good, who's a good company to get involved with now? Rain is something that that seems to be showing up on the top of people's lists, and that's that's a pretty fun. It's a pretty good spot to be in when you're when you're in IR. Yeah, and I wonder sometimes if the the fact that the silver price has risen as quickly as it has that it's still sinking in. Obviously, we've seen a lot of volatility, and 2022 was a hard year for a lot of the silver stocks. Are in in a general sense, are institutional funds still a little cautious on the silver space in general or are they the the tone you get from them are they starting to think okay maybe this does stick here and it could be time to go back in because again a lot of the general silver market especially the juniors is still on the lower side yeah so you you're so um yeah on the junior side i think people are certainly being cautious no, no question about it but you know i think there's uh, a marked change in mood in the last couple of weeks with the new year and I think a lot of people sort of uh, seeing a, a bottoming and a, also a, a turning point. Um, I think there's been a few announcements of some uh, in the silver space, some, some uh, not so much in the junior space, but on some of the more uh, you know mid-tier producers, a few uh, big financing announcements. So that uh, indicates that uh, there is uh, you know the, the appetite is back, and, and that eventually trickles down to to the juniors. And so I think I think the, the there's certainly been a, a marked uh, improvement in in the sentiment. Okay, and Lauren, you know I, I I'm going to agree with Jorge on that. I mean we're we're in a lot of the the same conversations, and so I I think there's also an aspect of there's some funds that got pretty burned in crypto. Yeah, and they're now looking at okay, whoa. I need to reallocate, I need to rebalance. And it seems like that's where we're getting some some interesting um, conversations with people as well. And so, you know, I, I went to school in Silicon Valley. I've seen crypto from sort of its infancy when it was really first taking off. And I've always been skeptical because I like the idea of having something physical, having something that it's tied to. Um, and I think a lot of people who are in this space and listening to this podcast and, and, and your, your channels, they're, they're a big fan of that as well. And um, I think people are coming back around to that. There's a, there was a bit of a fad there and um, people got burnt. 
And the question is now coming back to, I don't say the tried and true, but yeah, in a, in a lot of ways coming back to something that you can, something that you can hold, something that is physical. Yeah. And maybe a piggyback to, to Lauren's point. Uh, I was with her in uh, Silicon Valley uh, meeting a, a couple of uh, precious metals funds that are based in Silicon Valley. And we were talking to the fund manager and he was, he was explaining to us, you know, he's raised his, uh, it's a physical and general, well, physical and, and gold and silver stocks uh, is the, is the basis of the fund. And he's raised this fund from family offices in Silicon Valley, which is, you know, sort of the family offices of, of the tech um, entrepreneurs. And one of the things that he, cause I said to him, it must be quite a surreal experience for you <laughs> to, to be raising, you know, money for a silver and gold fund from Silicon Valley. And he was sharing with me some of the anecdotes of, you know, going to, uh, you know, to family offices and saying, look, it, it, in my opinion, it'd be prudent to put, you know, five to 10% of the portfolio and the net worth into gold and silver, you know, physical with some stocks. And they were saying that, you know, he get a lot of pushback and they were saying, you know, so-and-so the, the, the head of the family office uh, has, ask us to allocate 30% to crypto and, you know, uh, maybe we'll consider putting, a, you know, 0.5% uh, uh, of the portfolio in gold and silver, but, you know, we don't think, we don't really believe in it. Uh, you know, this was um, about a year ago, a little, little less than a year, but certainly before the crypto started to, to slide. But I, I think, you know, just the story to illustrate, you know, a little bit of the what the sentiment has been from family offices uh, and retail investors towards gold and silver. And I think, uh, you know, for those who held those, uh, you know, those beliefs that, that um, you know, crypto was a better uh, store of value than, than gold and silver, I think that has been um, discredited and disproven over the last year. So, so certainly seeing, um, you know, a beneficial effect towards our sector from, from that, um, from, from that happening. Yeah, obviously been a tough time in the crypto world. And I guess we'll see what the future of that is yet. Certainly some significant volatility there. And then in terms of the metals, it's interesting. Obviously you have a lot of volatility over the last year or two yet. If you take a step back or had been able to hibernate <laughs> through that and, not worry about it as much. A lot of the factors that brought so many people into the metals and that provide the merits, I mean, they haven't gone away. Here's Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen urging swift action to increase the spending limit to avoid defaulting on the debt ceiling. We've seen this pop through time and time again over the years. Um, you know, here we see the debt, you know, it's, it's not as if that's changing. And this is a clip, I'm going to play uh, about 20 seconds of this. I thought this was interesting because it will speak to, I think, one of the key reasons why people have turned to gold and silver, and then uh, we can get your comment on it. But this was uh, from a meeting at the FDIC, and let me play a couple seconds of that here. Institutions, and it's really important. I mean, it's a little bit conflicted, right? I mean, it's important that people understand they can be bailed in, but you don't want a huge run on the institution. But they have, I mean, they're going to be. That's, and, and it could be an early warning signal to the FDIC and the primary regulators when these things happen. And there may be some other 
prices, this is uh, similar to what Jay was saying, in the market that you can tell whether people understand how the who's going to be protected, who isn't going to be protected. So this is the FDIC talking about bail-ins, crises, who's going to be protected. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think that's at the heart of what people got a taste of in 2008, have been concerned about since then. And any, any thoughts on, is that why people are still turning to gold and silver and, and if that's a rightful way to re respond? Yeah, look, I think, I think uh, it's, um, yes, of course, but I think the, the, the kind of group of people who are aware of this, um, you know, still very small, right? At the end of the day, it's not, um, it, I think, by and large, I think the, well, you start to now, you know, get, I think there was a couple of reports from, from Goldman on, on, on gold this year. Um, yes, uh, over the last year, you see more sp speaking about gold and silver in, in the mainstream media. But I think at the end of the day, um, people are still um, incredibly bullish on, on the U.S. economy. And I, I think we haven't seen, um, we haven't seen that, like, you know, the real money flowing into our sector yet you know i think i think that's something very important to to keep in mind that you know you're yes uh, you know it, things are recovering and, and we're seeing uh you know better sort of sentiment but you know when we're talking about better sentiment we're mostly speaking about better sentiment from the investors who are typically investing in the sector you know what i mean it's not uh i think you are seeing some new investors in the sector yes but by and large you know the precious metals especially um, physical, uh, but, but, you know, also the equities is, it still hasn't, um, attracted that attention from, from the big capital pools, um, you know, and which is of course what we're all sort of, uh, waiting for, because that's, that's going to be the, the catalyst for, for, for a more significant, uh, bull market. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting video for sure, Chris, but, you know, I think, uh, we will all agree that, you know, the majority of people are still, um, you know, quite confident. We were talking to, a, to another investor a couple of days ago who's, you know, just very bullish on, on the U.S. economy. They, they think they'll be able to deal with inflation. They think they'll be able to eventually sort out the debt. You know, that, 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 I think that's a more and more uh, mainstream view of, <laughs> of, you know, like, uh, you know, what people believe in. And, and that's, you know, I think most people are still not realizing the importance of, of having precious metals in, in their portfolio, let alone, you know, uh, mining stocks. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I know there's a lot of people who are confident. I, I keep seeing stories like this. Investors seek to pull 20 billion from core real estate funds as property values decline. And I guess quite a divergence as often is the case in terms of the opinions of how things go. But I think it'll be an interesting year, 2023. Uh, things seem to be slowing down a bit. We'll see how the Fed responds. And um, But I think there's a lot of interest growing in gold and silver. And Yeah, I, I think that the, the biggest obstacle that you know gold and silver have to overcome is the U.S. dollar. Because I think, by and large, that's what's, uh, you know, pe people are saying, okay, yes, uh, uh, stocks are looking... Uh, sketchy real estate is looking sketchy, but converting to cash, you know, the U.S. dollar is still 
you know, quite strong. Even even with all the debt, you know, people don't care because they see it as a as a most uh, stable asset. So I think that's you know um, a change in, in sentiment towards zero dollar. You know, that that could be a, a big detriment for 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 our sector. Well, I hear you, and we are getting some change in sentiment. Maybe not as much within the U.S., but obviously uh, we've seen stories uh, for the last couple of years. Here's yeah. Saudi Arabia recently opening open to settling trade in other currencies, and uh, we won't perhaps go into everything that's happening with China and Russia today, but certainly an interesting time where it's almost like people are picking sides of what they believe and how they're responding, so... Either case, uh, appreciate everything that you guys shared there. And perhaps before we wrap this one up, uh, you could touch on some of the progress that you guys have made with Reina. Obviously, you had some drill results out yesterday at Medicine Springs, your third project. And um, perhaps you could give us an update on how things are looking there. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe maybe I'll let uh, Lauren, who's a, the geologist uh, <laughs> in in the group, uh, give you guys uh, an, an update. But, you know, definitely very, very, very excited about uh, releasing for the first time results at Medicine Springs. So, Chris, Mar Medicine Springs has been such an amazing experience, I think, for a lot of people at, at Reina. You know, it's, it's how I got involved. And to take it from a project where you're out there and you see feature out of feature that says there's something big here. And then you test it. And we did that Jasper Wood selective sample survey and the geochemistry was telling us okay there's something big at depth and then to go into our reconnaissance phase one drilling you know testing to see whether or not we have the magic coast rock that's needed for a carbonate replacement deposit if you don't have the carbonate you can't really have a carbonate replacement deposit and you know we were just excited when we got the majority of a nearly 800 meter hole was carbonate. We're going, this is fantastic. And then we got the drill results back. And when you get 2.4 meters of over a kilo silver, that gets really exciting. That's in the historic part of the, the Medicine Springs project. And then we took a step out and not a, not a little one. Like I said, this is recon. We were trying to figure out how big this system is and, you know, get some very brief sketch out. So we went 1.7 kilometers to the Southwest and there we intersected even more silver mineralization, right? And that was 7.4 meters running hundred and. 86 grams per ton silver and included in that is 4.6 meters running 270 plus grams per ton silver and you know those are with with the the lead and zinc that tells us okay this is the type of chemistry this is the kind of mineralogy in the kind of structures i mean that's a that's a pretty thick sequence right there and so we look at that from the team's experience in looking at CRDs and exploring CRDs. And the question now becomes, where did it come from? Because those kind of numbers don't come out of thin air. They came from, they're attached to some other part of the system. And that's one of the beautiful things about carbonate replacement deposits. 
is that there can, you know, there are these continuous zone systems. We don't know which direction yet because we've got four holes in the ground and they're widely spaced. But this is, you know, for a first four holes out of a project, it's hard to ask for, it's hard to ask for more. Um, so we're really excited with the results and uh, really looking forward to going back out there and uh, drilling in 2023. Yeah, and it seems like you looked for a lot of the clues. Obviously, Dr. Peter Mergaw was talking about the signs of the carbonate replacement deposit. And now it's nice to see that you have some verification as you get the first set of drill results back in. So it seems like you had an idea of what was out there and now you're finding it and you're also gonna be continuing drilling this year. Yeah, and you know, the the aspect was the surface exposure. There's, there's back up, there's 13 key features in early in, in for early stage CRD exploration that we look for. Indicators of large high grade carbonate replacement deposits. And you know, before our first drill hole, we saw 10 out of the 13. The question was whether or not the mineralization event interacted with the right type of rock. And that's why we're excited that not only do we have this great surface expression of something at depth, but now we also know that we have the potential for the, you know, high potential post rock and you know we're seeing evidence of this absolutely gorgeous what's called fugitive calcite it's an indicator of replacement and it's really cool because it glows bright pink and you know we're seeing it all over the core and the cool thing about fugitive calcite is that it's representative of that replacement reaction so in the acidic mineralizing fluid interacts with the limestone it deposits out it deposits out the goodies that you care about but the the calcite in solution so the 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 chemical components that make up the carbonate that keeps going and it takes a couple of hitchhikers with it it, it takes some trace metals in particular manganese and lead and that actually goes under ultraviolet so we can use that as an exploration indicator for could this thing be big and you know, there's another check mark in our favor at depth. So, you know, we'll see. It's really early days, but um, the the exploration team is definitely chomping at the bit, as it were, to get back out there. Well, it's it's certainly good news, especially in the midst of all the other conditions we've been talking about and record demand for silver deficits. And you guys are going after three district scale high-grade assets. So, um, Lauren, perhaps in wrapping up, could you just let folks know if they do have questions about the project, would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? Oh, you can get in touch with us at info at Rain of Silver. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, our website has good information as well, and LinkedIn. And so, you know, and, and if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or jokes, we're always happy to, uh, you know, talk to you. Strongly suggest uh, subscribing to the email blast so that you can stay up to date with what we're doing over at Reina and uh, look forward to getting even more investors uh, 
excited about Reina Silver and uh, hopefully we make a big discovery. Well, I think it's an exciting project you have, especially in the current environment. And again, folks can find out more at RainaSilver.com. And also, uh, you were kind enough to uh, stick around and we're going to record an update of a little more of the details of Medicine Springs, as well as the progress at Gigi and Batopilis. So thank you guys again for joining me. And the video with the details about the project is coming your way now.